0: Everybody And welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour as we are a week away from the Super Bowl. We will give our Super Bowl picks later on in, in this episode. Uh, but we are going to be discussing the Philadelphia Eagles hiring of their new head coach, Nick Sirianni. I'm your host, LJ Hero, and joining me as always is my co-host, Connor. Connor, what's up, bud?
1: Oh, not much. Living the dream. Adjusting to my new, uh, job, new full-time daytime job um over the past couple weeks but uh li- life's good man life's good senior bowls today super bowls next week it it's good times it's some fun times for for football fans that's for sure
0: it is the only bad thing is, is there's one meaningful NFL game left until what september which stinks um one meaningful not even just uh NFL game you count college and, and sure you can count these uh, all star games and senior bowl and whatnot but it comes down to the real thing and we only have one left and that's Super Bowl 50 what are we it's 55 now Super Bowl 55 between the chiefs and the Buccaneers uh, before we get started as always follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Connor does a great job of putting out all eagles notes um, that that come about whether it's in regards to the coaching staff uh, for any players that could be could be staying could be going uh, you can follow Connor at Twitter at Connor 10 and follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell. 54. Thank you to all of our all of our listeners and followers here on the Kelly Green Hour. So Connor, the Eagles did make a hire. It took them what like 10 days for them for him to finally speak. But as of right now, and you let me know if I've missed anybody, this is what the coaching staff looks like. And we don't, I, I, and, and we only know about what five to 10. Nick Sirianni is the head coach. Shane Steichen is the offensive coordinator. Jonathan Gannon is the defensive coordinator. Michael Clay is the special teams coach. Jeff Stoutland stays as the offensive line coach, and I think that's a huge get for Sirianni to keep him here. Brian Johnson is the quarterback coach. Kevin Petullo is the passing game coordinator. Jason Michael is the tight end coach. uh, Tracy Rocker is the defensive lines coach. And Denard Wilson, coming from the Jets, is the secondary coach. Did I miss anybody? I don't no, no I anymore. think
1: you hit. I think you hit most of them. At least I know. I don't know as of yesterday. Michael Clay wasn't confirmed. It was just offered. So I think it I is confirmed.
0: Con- I've I've seen reports that it's confirmed. It makes him the youngest coordinator. So I know he's a special teams coordinator, but he's the youngest coordinator in the NFL. Um, Sirianni's the what seventh youngest coach, I think. Gannon's the fourth youngest defensive coordinator. Like. This is a very young staff, and I I don't. I'm intrigued. I don't know what made Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman go in this go in this direction with Nick Sirianni. Um, Deuce Staley, they could have went with Deuce. Uh, He left to go to Detroit, and he put out a very awesome letter, you know, to the to the city of Philadelphia, to the Eagles, to the fans. Um, you know, t- pretty much calling himself an eagle for life, which is true. You know, he, he he played here, coached here for so long, won a Super Bowl here as a coach. Um, like Staley is Philadelphia. Um, what, what were your what are your impressions on Sirianni before we even get to the press conference he had? But when you heard the news that Nick Sirianni was being he- uh, hired as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, what were your thoughts?
1: What were your your first instincts? when you heard the news well my initial reaction was I'm gonna I'm gonna take a day I'm gonna take 24 hours I'm gonna read what comes out I'm gonna see some of the stats and I mean ultimately it, it, he's his resume is actually intriguing it I'm not gonna go so far say it's impressive because I don't necessarily believe it's quote-unquote impressive by any stretch but based on his age and stuff he's been through a lot as a coach um, whether it be the fact that he had to deal with four different starting quarterbacks in four straight years, what he's done with the offense in Indianapolis with Frank Reich, um, with the use of Jonathan Taylor, with the use of the receiving core that he has at has, um Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton. Um, it I was intrigued. I think there's no other word to say but intrigued. And then as the coaching staff around him got built and put together, I was even more intrigued by the age. It was all it was like we're having a youth movement in Philadelphia. And you know what, it's actually kind of nice to have a youth movement in our coaching staff. But as long as it's not like coming all out of college, and it's not coming out of college, it's actually coming out of NFL experience. So for me, I'm I was just I'm intrigued. I'm cautiously intrigued. The stats are there. Um, Darius Leonard came to his defensive, after his press conference, which we'll get into. So he's got the respect of players. There's players who like him. Um, in seeing some people who write for like Colts beat writers and stuff, it sounds like we took a really good guy, a a, a genuinely smart guy. Uh, he's got he's got a good offensive mind, and and he put a good staff around him. To cover his ass in other areas, like on the defensive side of the ball, where Jonathan Gannon is like being praised as like the next big thing on the defensive side of the ball from a coordinator perspective and potentially as a head coaching perspective. Um I was hoping for Robert Saleh to be completely honest in this whole run and when we were interviewing, and Joe Douglas got a good one there. Joe Douglas is smart, he comes off the the good side of the howie roseman tree i will say because he he's got the player evaluation side of it down and he's really good at it um whereas howie is not so i really wanted robert sally and he's got a decent staff too there's a lot of question marks around the staff with sirianni but the people who know this staff the people who know these people speak very highly of them so i'm cautiously optimistic and i'm definitely going to give him more than just a press conference and and the early early o- onset of the hiring to make yeah. a decision.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. You know, even after the Chip Kelly, after the Chip Kelly hiring, and after the even the Doug Peterson hiring, my first instinct was, all right, let me see what Safi puts around them. Um, and honestly, besides Scoutland, I don't know any of these guys. I I, I mean, I, I we just heard Nick Sirianni. Like what? A, a, a couple of days before he got hired, like he he was on vacation with his family in Florida. He gets a call that he was he's going to be interviewed. He doesn't even have a suit. Which again, I have no issue with him not having a suit. You're a you probably didn't have any expectations of being hired this cycle. This is probably maybe this was a year early earlier than you thought you had a chance to be uh, interviewed for head coaching jobs. Um, and and the fact that the Eagles to make him feel comfortable. Uh, the front office that was in in the interview with them they they kind of dressed down also. I think that's a cool thing. like you you don't want the guy to feel to feel uncomfortable in, in, in this like once in a lifetime for a lot of people, job interview. Um, so I have no issues with that. Like I, I have friends text me like, what is up with this guy? He didn't even show up in a suit. That means nothing in my opinion. You don't wear a suit on the sideline. like you, you don't how many you don't coach in a suit. So it, all I care about, which I mentioned to you before, all I care about is can this guy coach? I don't care that he doesn't dress the part all the time. Like, that means nothing to me. I, I Honestly, in my opinion, I think dressing up in a suit is overrated. Um, you know, there there are people that like to, to dress up in, in that fashion. Good for them. Like, th- that that's them. But me personally, I'm one that likes to dress up in ball shorts and, and a hoodie. And, and, and that's where I feel comfortable. That's where I, I feel that I, I put out my best work. You know, when, I, when I'm when i actually... So I'm working from home right now. When I when I go into the office, I have to wear, you know, whether it's jeans or whether it's khakis, that's what I have to wear. And I hate wearing pants. I hate like when my legs feel restricted. I'm a guy that likes to wear shorts. Even in blistering cold weather, I wear shorts. Ever since I've been working from home, you know, I work in shorts and a hoodie and I feel like my production has gone up. So like people... Again, the attire that you wear to a job interview should not matter, even though I know it does in the professional and business world. But, again, that's something that – some if, if that's the first thing that you look about or you talk about when you, when you talk about Nick Sirianni, I think you're thinking of the wrong thing. And you mentioned it. Frank Reich has had high praise for him. Darius Leonard has, has, has had high praise for him. Um, Jonathan Taylor went on WIP uh, – either la- I think it was last week or the week before after the Eagles made the hire and had high praise – for Nick Sirianni. That's all that matters. He's got respect of his former players now, and that was at an offensive coordinator role. Can he do it as a head coach role, leading a team of men, leading the entire team, not just the offense, not just the quarterback. You have to lead all 53 men, you know, on, on game day. So that's all I care about. And we won't know that until we hit camp, until we hit preseason game, until we hit the regular season. Um, you know, you mentioned Robert Sala. Robert Sala has a great track record. He looks great on paper. We know what he can do with defenses, but honestly, we don't know what he can do leading men. Like we, again, he showed up. Like he showed up in the suit. Like he had a plan, um, and, and uh, you know, apparently, and that's why he got hired by the Jets. He was the best candidate for that job. But how do we know that when it comes Sunday game day that he's going to be able to do the job? You don't. You won't know until we actually play the games, coach the games. So that's what I'm more in, inclined to, to sit in back and wait. I, I'm not going to judge him off his press conference. I mean, if you see videos of him at the Col- at Colts practicing, he sounds like a coach. He sounds like a guy confident in what he knows and confident in what he's teaching. And I think that's all that matters. Um, you know, and I think the hiring of Sirianni is going to be big for like a guy like Miles Sanders. We know what the Colts offense looked like. Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, Marlon Mack, when, before he got hurt, like they were car- they carried the ball a lot. Miles Sanders is going to become a workhorse, something we called for all season. So the Eagles need to go out, and, and we talk about what the salary cap looks like. They're going to have to go out and get another running back. Boston Scott is not that guy that can be the number two. It, my, we, we know Miles Sanders has had it, uh, injuries here and there and may miss a game or two. Go out and get a legit number two running back, and you are going to have a... Ground and pound type of attack that will only help the quarterback, whichever quarterback it is, Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts, because then you can go off a of play action. And when you do that, you if Sirianni puts the type of offense together that we believe, crossing routes, you know, designing plays to get receivers open, the running game is only going to help that. And that's all, again, and, and I know this is a long winded, but that's all I care about. I don't care what he sounds like. I don't care what he dressed in. Show me what you can do on Sundays put in a game plan on um, Monday through Saturday, and then on Sunday show up and execute. That's all I care about.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And it's not like he didn't put a, a competent staff around him as well to cover himself. Like I said, like he, he's got a good staff around him. They're young, they're but they all have some sort, of a, some sort of decent experience. And a lot of these people have very good backgrounds in development. Developing players, developing high-end talent or talent that becomes high-end at the end of the day. Jonathan Gannon is a great example of what he did as a DB coach in Indianapolis and what he built there and what was one of our biggest weaknesses and what will remain one of our biggest weaknesses as of this very point heading into 2021. The DBs, the secondary, I mean, you know that the the roster is built to go 4-3, you don't, maybe they're going to shift that focus, probably keep it to 4-3 because you have all these people under contract who are built for that, but you don't have to necessarily focus like Jim Schwartz where it's (coughs) 4-3 with a very, very hard focus on just they're from four. So there's going to there's gonna be a lot of change there, but it's going to be good to see someone who can develop talent, some people who can develop talent, because it felt like Jim Schwartz and Doug Peterson wanted the players to, and as much as I love both of them, especially Jim Schwartz, it seemed like they wanted the players to work in their system not work the system around the players so the hopefully these guys based on their track record of developing talent and developing players they're able to build around them and let the players do what they want to do don't play seven or eight yards off as a cornerback if your strength is playing up and being aggressive then let them be play up and be aggressive and build the scheme make a unique scheme to those people
0: does it bother you that charger fans and and kind of the the people around the team were happy that shane shane Steichen, i don't even know if i'm saying his last name correctly left like he, he got hired by the eagles they were happy that he was gone does that bother you at all that like justin herbert was as good as he was because he's actually that talented and it wasn't what uh the coaching his offensive coordinator did for him
1: i think that Charger fans are mistaken for who they really want gone, and the guy they really want gone is gone as well, and that's Anthony Lynn. And I think that, that they all too often, it, it, shit rolls downhill, we'll say. when When you see a team do really bad, like to the extent of the Eagles, and they've completely cleaned house minus Jeff Stoutland pretty much, you tend to look at everyone and blame everyone. How often was something like that happened with Doug Peterson also blamed on Jim Schwartz, which was also blamed on like Deuce Daly, which was also blamed on Press Taylor, which was shit rolls downhill. Simple, simple as that. So I think that I need to give more of a chance, but you cannot tell me that a rookie comes into the league and their development has nothing to do with, a coordinator, whether it be offensive coordinator, quarterback, coach, head coach. But I mean, I think it became quite clear and maybe it was not. Maybe like because Anthony Lynn wanted Tyrod Taylor all along. And it wasn't until the punctured lung incident that 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 turned into Justin Herbert. But if you're not, if you're going to sit there and tell me, oh, he had the talent all along and the coaching staff has nothing to do with his him getting in there and doing what he was doing, well, then I, I would really, really question that. I'd say look in the mirror, look at your team and think about it. Coaches have a lot more to do with teams than people think and players than people think.
0: So I'm, I'm intrigued because I think, I think Frank Reich said this, that like that Sirianni is going to build the system around the players' talents and not build his system because it's a system, which is what you just said, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Schwartz had a system and he wanted, he was trying to fit square pegs into round holes uh, for the Mm -hmm. most part. And and I'm glad that we stayed at a four, three, because if we would have tired, say a Wade Phillips, I would not have wanted to switch to a three, four. We really don't have three, four personnel. You need linebackers. And obviously we don't, uh, we we don't value the linebacker position. So I don't think that that would have worked out so well. Um, and I'm intrigued to see how, like, you know, Darius Slay plays in the second year as an Eagle and maybe playing in, in a more natural role. Um, if we get a, sec- a legit second corner, um, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how all the pieces fall into place. And obviously this team is going to look different. We, we we talk about time and time again the salary cap implications and, and, where, we're, and where we're sitting right now. This team will be different. Um, you know, Malik Jackson will most likely be gone. Alshon Jeffrey will be gone. Deshaun Jackson will most likely be gone.
1: Uh, Zach Ertz is like Zach Ertz it.
0: will most likely be gone, and that also changes things. And and this will be for a topic down the road. But like we've been talking about all season, Devonte Smith, Jamar Chase, Pac- Patrick Sertan, who they're my top three, who I want the Eagles to select at number six. Now the name Kyle Pitts comes into play, and because you know at least underdog, we like the two tight end system. We don't know if that's what Sirianni also going to do, which you kind of tend to think that if he's going to want to run the football, you're going to want to have two, a double tight set. And we know Zach or Dallas Goddard is going to be the number one tight end. Um, I like Richard Rodgers. I would like him to be the number two tight end. I would not draft the tight end at number six overall. I think that's way too high. If they were to fly back a couple spots, maybe. But the Eagles, you know, if if either, if either Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Patrick Sertan are there at six. One of those, and one of those three should be there at six, because with Matt Stafford getting traded and the Lions, will, Lions are right behind us. So maybe the Lions would want to take a quarterback so they could trade up. You know, there's going to be. We already know that Trevor Lawrence is going to go to the Jaguars. The Jets, that's where the draft really starts, because do, does Sala like Sam Darnold, or does he want to go with Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, or Zach Wilson? So like this is it's going to be an intriguing thing. Um, I would personally, and I would not take Kyle Pitts at number six. Uh, I mentioned my three names. If one of them is there, you take them. Um, you don't even let any time elapse off of the clock. You take one of them. But if all three are gone, that's where where the uh, the games start for the Philadelphia Eagles. But that's to be for a, a different story down the road or a different uh, show down the road. Um, but yeah, so I'm intrigued. I'm I am a tad bit worried about. How young this coaching staff is. Like besides Stoutland, you know, they're. I don't know. It's 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 going to be intriguing. Like they're. I think they're going to bring the right attitude. I think they're going to bring the right um, uh, emotion to the to the practice field to the games. I just hope it's not too much over. Because again, Sirianni didn't call plays for Frank Wright. Frank Wright called plays. So Sir- and Sirianni has already talked about. He's going to call plays. So that's going to be totally different for him. And again, I want it. And this is why I would have liked Deuce to be head coach. I don't think Deuce would have wanted to call plays. Deuce would have been the coach of the entire team. He would have hired a competent offensive coordinator to run the offense to call the plays. He would have hired a defensive coordinator to call the defense and and whatnot and and watch over defense. But he would have been the leader of the entire team. So, again, I'm not judging like, hey, he's calling plays. So he's he's just going to be a failure automatically. But for something he's never done. I want to see it play out. This is why I hope we have preseason this year. Yeah,
1: abs- absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, for a guy w- who wants to take over and, and do the play calling and whatever, I mean, I'm not upset with that. I say give it a try as long as he's not like Doug Peterson, who whose head is head is so inflated that he couldn't say, oh, I should allow the play calling to go elsewhere. Um, as long as he knows if it's not working out, that he'd be prepared to consider a move away from being the play caller because you do have a guy like like johnson who's coming in with a background in in being an offensive coordinator he was the offensive coordinator down for the florida gators so i mean like you have guys who can step in and take the play call and reigns who have the experience doing that if it's not working out so as long as he's not one of those guys who whose ego's too big for the job that they have like what we were starting to hear about doug peterson then good but otherwise that could become an issue and, and i mean i understand the concerns i mean what especially with the age of the coach and stuff. what experience do they have is the, is? i mean let's throw it out there that is the development of justin herbert a lot more of just his pure skill over over the guy like state there's steach in there like it's a tough thing it's a toss-up like is it Is it like that or what does teaching have a lot to do with the development of that, of Justin Herbert and stuff like we won't really know because we can sit there and say, yeah, it looks like that he developed this person or he was key to the development of this person. But unless Justin Herbert's the one who speaks out and says it, we don't really know who was key on that coaching staff to the development of that. I think a
0: lot of it was Pep Hamilton. Uh,
1: Quarterbacks coach. Yeah.
0: I, th- I think I think Pep Hamilton had a lot to do with the development of Justin Herbert more than uh, Shane Steichen. That's just my thoughts. I could be wrong, um, but but that's just my initial thoughts when looking from the outside in to the Chargers situation.
1: I mean, we do get like we do get the concerns and we see the concerns, but I mean, it, it's too soon to roll over and and say oh this coaching staff could be a failure based on age or anything. I think that we need to really give them the time of day and and let them prep properly and give them a fair shot. They want to change. And besides Howie Roseman and Jeff Stoutland, there's pretty much been universal change across the board in the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff. So we got what we wanted. Maybe it's not who we wanted, but I think we have to give them the time of day. and, And like a lot of people are already basically shooting their shots just based off the press conference at at Sirianni and and the and age of the coaching staff and stuff and basically writing off next season and writing off until he's gone.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Um. So, why why do you think Laurie and Roseman chose Sirianni over, you know, other candidates like Deuce, like Josh McDaniels, um, even interviewing Eric Bieniemy. Uh, Brian Dable, who who said that he didn't really he wanted to wait till after the Super Bowl, and we kind of talked about teams, what or why why Dable or Biennial didn't get any opportunities, and again the NFL has a has a problem that where you have to your team has to be completely eliminated before you can really hire somebody or for have them sign on the dotted line, you know that's why McDaniel's backed out of the Colts job um, in 2017 after the after the Super Bowl because. He had all that time to think about it after it, 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 after they had initially offered him the job. It's not like college, you know. Alabama, St- Steve Sarkisian, um, still coached in the national championship game, but was hired by Texas. He was able to sign like so. He couldn't back out without, you know, a monetary you know pay, paying for that back out. So it it'll be interesting, or it is interesting. Like the NFL needs to fix this. One minority coach was hired. It was David Cawley and it was by the Texans um, and it, they were the last to hire. But like the enemy should be a head coach. Uh, Brian Dable. I know he's he's not a minority, but he also should be a head coach. Duce Staley probably should be a head coach. But I'm of the, the belief he needed to get outside of Philly in order to have a chance being with the same organization for as long as he was under the three head coaches and not having an offensive coordinator opportunity at any place, even though the Eagles did offer him the OC spot after Frank Reich left, but he didn't want it because he wasn't going to be calling plays. So he went to Detroit and is is the running back coach and assistant coach there. Um, But yes, I'm of the belief the NFL needs to fix this. If if teams want to hire a coach from a coaching staff that's still playing, whether it's championship weekend, Super Bowl weekend – they should be able to offer them a job, have them sign a contract while still coaching. And I get, I get that teams don't want to wait that long because you want to have your pick of the litter of assistant coaches, you want to be able to put the best staff together. But something needs to change because the Chiefs, you know, with under Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, the Chiefs might be playing in the Super Bowl for the next five years. Like, let's be real. And if that happens, who? Beyond me, will I, I believe will have a. Have a head coaching job by them but still, the the, the chances of him interviewing throughout a playoff while they're making Super Bowl run after Super Bowl run after Super Bowl run it just makes it more difficult.
1: Yeah, definitely, it, it is the the I think the NFL has a number of problems in the coaching search. And 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 it go it starts with how the contract's signed, when the contract's signed, when someone can be interviewed, how somebody can be interviewed. And and the the, another one is like the whole giving picks to the team that you hire their minority coordinator to be a coach and stuff. Like it's it's just it's an all it's an ass backwards. Situation well, the that NFL, they have as far so as coaching goes.
0: They do, the NFL gives the pick, so like with David Coley being hired by the Texans, the Texans aren't giving the Ravens two th- or a third round. No, pick. no, they it's the, the NFL. NFL gives a
1: compensatory yeah. pick, so it's at the end of the third round. But yeah. still, the the point being like the fact that you're given one they way. And like, it's is weird. It's weird. Yeah, the the Rooney rule is something that needs to be fixed. It's as outdated as the concept behind it, um, and it just. It does, after a while, it does make you suspicious that we go year over year, and every year we see, like, one minority coach hired, one minority coach hired, another you one, know, and before, that's before all you, we ever see, but the development of these minority coaches as coordinators is praised till the you, end of the world. I get it, praise. but
0: before you continue, also, minority coaches get judged differently, so Jim Caldwell got fired after, what, three years in, in Detroit, taking them to the playoffs, had, what, two Two winning seasons. It was three or five years, but he had a couple winning seasons, but got fired after I think a nine and seven year. Matt Patricia had zero winning seasons with Detroit, but coached for five years.
1: Five years, because, I think.
0: And it so like the the st- it's a doubled standard when it comes to minority coaches. They get held to a higher standard than than white coaches. And it you and I'm, I and I'm going to use Detroit as the example because Patricia was terrible as a head coach. In Detroit but was able to coach for five years while Jim Caldwell had a couple winning seasons took Detroit to the playoffs but I got fired after a nine and seven year you know Anthony Lynn and I know he was with the Chargers for a long time um, but and and maybe maybe things started getting stale stale there but I, I just think that that also has to change the standard needs to be the same for all head coaches there shouldn't be one standard for a minority head coach and another standard for a white head coach because that's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, and I think that nobody's going to ever admit that there's a different standard, but there definitely is. All it takes is looking around. Like, There's no way you can sit there and tell me in Detroit after three straight losing seasons that they thought Matt Patricia was still their guy, that they thought Matt Patricia was going to turn it around, that maybe he needed a couple years to settle in. You're, you're not going to tell me that because if, if that – It sucks to say, but say that was, for example, Eric Biennemi who had that job and he had three straight losing seasons, he probably would be out after three years. And yet somehow Matt Patricia made it to five years losing, not improving the defense, not even making the defense any better, which was where, you know, he came from his defensive background. The defense never even got any better. The offense never got better. they wasted matthew stafford they wait they're wasting some good talent like kenny galladay deandre swift some of this talent was just being wasted away and they were justifying it by basically saying maybe he needs more time maybe maybe they were not giving him the right players let's give him another draft let's see what we can give him that thought process would never come with a minority coach
0: yeah it wouldn't and and again I don't know how, and but they need to find a way to fix it. Um, to, to, and I don't like the whole if you hire a minority coach or a minority minority executive, we'll compensate you. You don't compensate teams for hiring white coaches and white like. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to turn this into a a, a a race thing or a political thing, but it's it's just the nature of the NFL right now. So hopefully they figure it out, and hopefully you know B- Eric Bieniemy and Deuce Daly and. Uh, the, these minority coaches get a, a, a more fair shot, and when they get these jobs, they aren't held to the if you if you don't turn it around in one year, you're gone standard because that's unfair um, if you don't if you don't hold everybody uh, to that standard. Uh, but what what are your thoughts to to the Eagles picking Sirianni over the likes of Deuce or McDaniel's or other coaches of the what 13 coaches that they interviewed?
1: Well, you already know, because I posted it on uh, Kelly Green, our Twitter, that they they, they did Deuce dirty. The fact that he left to Detroit for the same exact job, I think there's more behind the scenes stuff. The letter was great. I get it. Deuce is never going to call the Eagles franchise out. He's he's an eagle for life. He's always going to cheer for us, just as we may very well cheer for him in Detroit, like we do Andy Reid in Kansas City. But at the end of the day he's not going to call out what happened. He's not going to call out Howie. He's not going to call out Doug or whatever situation happened that led to the collapse that was the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles season. Um, But they did him dirty. The fact that he left for the same job somewhere else, there's something that's not being said that we may never actually know. Um, Do I think Deuce was ready to be a head coach? No. Do I think he was ready to be an offensive coordinator? Maybe as a head coach, as a leader of men. But like you said, he would have needed an OC and a DC with experience that knew what they were doing and could call plays and run those two completely different sides of the football. Um, So maybe he could have been that leader, but I think he was more ready for an offensive coordinator position. And it's a shame that Sirianni didn't give him a chance like he he gave Stoutland a chance. Um, But otherwise, I would have been intrigued if they took it a bit further with, the enemy or a bit further with like they ball didn't want it, but a guy like the enemy would have been interesting. I mean, I would have been intrigued to see what would have come of that and, and how the interviews went. I wish that we could have heard more about the interviews and how things went, because I would have been more intrigued by that. I'm pretty, I'm actually quite happy they passed on McDaniels personally. I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm over the, the um, whole Situation that happened in Denver a few years ago, mm-hmm. and the whole situation with Indianapolis as well. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I mean, it's weird. It's weird to think about because, like, you don't know how any of this stuff went. You don't know how the interviews went. So you don't know. You can't really speak too much into it. But Judging by what Jeffrey Laurie said to start the presser yesterday, it sounded like he had some really good interviews with a lot of great candidates and they all brought some really good knowledge. And at the end of the day, I think he wanted a completely new idea. He wanted a completely new mindset. He wanted something completely different. And he thinks Sirianni can bring something completely different that maybe a McDaniels couldn't bring to the table or a Saleh couldn't bring to the table or that Deuce couldn't bring to the table. And I think he thinks that with with Sirianni and with the connections that he has and the people that he knew, that he could bring something completely different, a whole different breed of game to the Philadelphia Eagles and maybe a completely different breed of offense than what we've seen and as we know the offense even the years where we even the year, 2017 when we won the super bowl and stuff the offense was never flashy it was never something sexy that we could take a lot of pride in it was it was a bump and grind thing with the two tight end sets and 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 one speedster like Aguilar going down the field and hopefully or Deshaun Jackson and hoping that the field opens up for the people underneath it was never you know something we we prided ourselves especially this year in the way doug peterson was calling it but this could be very different with sirianni and i think that that's what he's hoping happens with sirianni and and i mean i i'd like to hear more about how the other interviews went and what stood out with sirianni compared to other people but I don't think that's the sad thing about these interviews with 13, 14 different people. We never really know, and we'll never actually know. Jeffrey Lawyer, of course, is going to say all the candidates were great. We loved them all. They all have great football IQ, great football prowess, but that's all we're probably ever going to get.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I was a big uh, uh, on the Biennium train. My thing is, I want to know why, you know, he's been one of the, the top coordinators the what, last three, four years, three Ever since we we'll go three, four, five years, and he still hasn't gotten a job. What what is it about Biennemi that teams don't like or that teams are weary of when it comes to hiring him? Does he not interview well? Do they think it's Andy's offense and Andy's the like? I want to know why. Again, I would have given it to Biennemi, or I would have waited, you know, and Biennemi would have been my guy. Um, excuse me. Um, what do you do? You think though? that they hired Sirianni because they they could control him, you wouldn't have been able to control Josh McDaniels, a guy who's been a head coach before, a guy who has Super Bowl titles um, or Super Bowl rings. By run, he, he pretty much runs the offense in New England because Bill's more of a defensive coach, but Bill's also i I'm going to let my guys do their thing type of coach. So that offense is run by Josh McDaniels, and McDaniels would have wanted clout. Um, Riley Lincoln Riley, if he came here, would have wanted clout. Um, I don't know if Deuce would have, but maybe his understanding of what's happened the last, you know, since he's been coaching here, maybe he would have tried to go for a little bit of, you know, personnel say. Um, boy, yeah, they went with Sirianni. You see that the, the rumors
1: control. that came out there that that Howie Roseman's going to control who's on the 53, but he that Sirianni gets to control the game day roster. I think that there's a lot of people out there who want control of who's going to be on their 53 man, and then they get to pick their game day options as well. I think Howie still isn't letting go of the reins of I'm going to sign who I want to sign. I'm going to draft who I want to draft, and. It feels like there's not going to be much say there. It's going to be just like last year. Everybody wanted Jefferson. Oh, well, I like Gregor. I'm going Gregor. Everybody wanted Jeremy Chin. Well, I'm going Jalen Hurts. I want Jalen Hurts. I feel like we're heading towards another crash course like that again where he's going to say, all right, here's your 53 men. You can pick what 47 men you want to march out there on game day, but this is your 53-man roster. And I feel like there's a lot of coaches and there's a lot of people who've seen enough in the NFL, like McDaniels, like B-Enemy, like Dayball, like Deuce, who are like, I want control over the 53 men. I don't just want the control of the 47 men I like the most out of the 53 men that you put in there. I want to control the 53 men. I want to have more of a say. I want to help in the scouting process. When we're sitting there at pick six and you're looking at Kyle Pitts and I'm looking at Devontae Smith, I want to know that I'm getting something that I'm going to use in my offense that I want to use in my offense. And that could be like, where Howie wants Kyle Pitts and he the, and he wants Devontae Smith and he's like, I need another receiver. I like Jalen Regger, but I need another receiver. I got Dallas Goddard. We can resign Richard Rogers, but it doesn't feel like that's the direction that it's gonna go. It feels like there's still a fracture between Howie Roseman and the roster construction and the game day coaching handling of that forty seven man roster and that's, on game day and
0: that's why I just- and that's why John Dorsey went to Detroit. Like he was here under as a consultant, and you know there there was talk of him probably staying to help out um, on the personnel side. But if if how he wants to control it, nobody's going to want to work with him. And he's not a football guy. He's a he's a guy that knows the numbers. Well, we thought knows the numbers. Looking at our cap situation, that's a, a, a we can have that discussion at another time. But yeah, he he better. Th- so my thing is, I hope Lori sat sat Roseman down and said, "This is it. This is your team now. And if, you know, in the next within the next two, three, four, or five years, you don't turn it around, you're gone." I, I don't know if they had that conversation. They probably didn't because they're they're boys. But that's the type of conversation he's had because Lori or Roseman needs to realize that his job is on the line. If, if Roseman thinks he has a contract for life and it doesn't matter what happens with the team. Um, you know, that he's going to keep his job, then they're never going to turn this around. So hopefully, mm, ho-
1: yeah, yeah.
0: hopefully Lori has, has, has had that conversation. We'll have that conversation because if he doesn't, then I I, I don't know if we're going to ever be able to turn it around.
1: Yeah, and, and listen, at the end of the day, I, I completely agree with that. I think that Howie needs to be uncomfortable, and I don't think that he's at that point yet. Because you say three, four, five, no, three. You got a three-year window, and don't complain to me about these next two years where the cap situation is not very pretty, where we're negative this year. And yes, we. I know everyone's like, well, we have $50 million next year. Look at the free agents this year. Look at the free agents next year. That $50 million is not going to go very far. Um, and there could be more next year because, of course, the new TV deal that's coming into place, and hopefully COVID doesn't wreak havoc on the almighty dollar as much in 2022 as it has in 2020 and 2021. But at the end of the day, for me, you got a three-year window. The cap is going to probably take a massive jump over the, not this year, but in the next two years. So you're going to have a lot more cap to play with. It's Howie's fault that we are where we are. He kicked the can down the road, he puts all these voided years, and people are like, oh, he put voided years, that's great. No, because that just means Malik Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, carry a dead cap hit longer than the the two years. So people are like, oh, look, he restructured these deals. Yes, he restructured those deals because he voided off a couple final years, which means instead of dead cap for two years, he can have dead cap for four years. And that's not what we want because that's just kicking the can down the road to create a situation further down the line like what we're going through right now. You can only kick so far before everything adds up and you got 15 people with voided years that are dead cap at the same year and they create this like $20 million dead cap situation and you've lost – that's three or four roster spots right there lost in dead cap that you kicked down the road. So he knows what he's doing. He knows how to manipulate the cap. He knows how what a roster bonus is and how to use a roster bonus and game day bonuses and bonuses in general. And But at the end of the day, I think that he needed... I said it last episode, and I still stand by it, that if you're firing Doug Peterson, you had to do something with Howie, too. I think Howie should have had the John Elway treatment where you make him the executive uh, the executive of salary cap or something. You know, something. Give him a fancy job title. Give him, say, here's an extra million dollars. I'll keep you for five more years, but you're done with the player personnel decisions. Give him a promotion getting, to motion. Yeah, the promotion to <laughs> motion idea. And it's like you get to work with them and you get to do the cap. You get to do the breakdown, calculate everything, bring your math notebook to work every day and say, look what I did, guys. And you guys can work together on the cap side. It's albacus. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it it didn't happen that way. But my situation was Howie goes or if Peterson goes, something had to be done with Howie. And I still don't think face... I still don't think, based on what was what was said in the press conference yesterday, that Howie's feeling uncomfortable or how he's feeling on the hot seat. I think that Jeffrey Lloyd's at this point where he's kind of like, "Oh wow, we're not in a very good cap situation. Maybe I should give you a few more years to see what you can do with it." Well, ding dong, guess what? The reason we're in the cap situation is sitting across from you every single day, your boy Howie Roseman.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. So, um. With, with the Sirianni hiring and with the coaching staff that they've assembled so far, what does this mean for some of the current players on the roster? And we're going to start with the biggest name, Carson Wentz. Um, and mean, we can even throw Jalen Hurts if you just want to do the quarterback position. Um, Sirianni said that he's had a conversation with Wentz. He's looking forward to working with him. Um, wasn't able to give a answer to... If he's coming in as the starter, if there's going to be a competition, said they got to watch film, this, that, and the third. But you know, do you think that 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 you know he he actually knows? He just didn't want to say it, or is there going to be a legit competition? Or is Carson not even going to be here? We haven't heard from Carson, and honestly, again, like listening to Joe Gilio on WIP, he's like, we need to hear Carson. I don't think we need to hear Carson. Mm-hmm. I don't. You, you you every and look I get it. The quarterback's the most important position in all of sports. But like, have you heard from Brandon Graham? Have you heard from Fletcher Cox? Have you heard from Lane Johnson? Have you heard from Jason? You've Kelsey? heard from no Eagles. Have you? You haven't Zero. heard from any of the players about the Nick Sirianni hiring. Why does it have to be just Carson Wentz? I know that there's all these reports out that Carson Wentz out so, and people might think that he needs to clear the air. I don't think he does. I want him. Maybe he. Maybe he's working out. Maybe he's pre- preparing for for the. You know, getting ready for this upcoming season. Getting ready for camp. I don't care if Carson talks. I don't care if Fletcher talks. I don't care if anybody talks. Just show up when you're supposed to show up, and be ready to play. I think Carson is going to be here. I want Carson to be here. I want there to also to be a quarterback competition. I don't know. I don't want things to be handed to people. And that's when when you have a new staff, nobody's in. None of these players are indebted to, to these coaches. Jeff Stoutman's the only one that's that's returning. And, you know, with our offensive line and, – and I, and I think getting Stoutman to come back might mean Kelsey's back for one more year. I think we'll get Kelsey for one more year. Um, we'll, obviously, we'll see. We haven't heard anything from that either. But, like, if you're asking Carson to speak, why aren't you asking for the other leaders on the team to speak? We haven't heard from Rodney, McLe- Rodney McLeod. Haven't heard from Darius Slay. Haven't heard – again, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Um, we haven't heard from anybody. Why is it just gotta be Carson Wentz? I think Carson's going to be back. I hope Carson's going to be back. Um, and you know, there'll be a battle and he, he, if he wins the quarterback competition, great. If he doesn't, I think he'll be a good teammate and, you know, support Jalen, but I don't need, I don't need Carson Wentz to come out and talk just because Joe Giglio or these sheeps on, on WIP want him to talk. No, when he talks he talks and that's all that matters to me.
1: Yeah, for me I actually commend uh Joe uh, Carson Wentz on keeping his mouth shut and and staying away from football right now. He's probably honestly out hunting mallards, but I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't matter what he's doing. It's his off season and he can do what he wants. He's got a new, he's got a newborn at home and stuff like he wants to spend time with his family and, and he just wants to get away from football for a little bit, which which is fine. And I commend it mostly for the fact that what is Carson Wentz speaking going to do? It's just going to give... ESP, Joe Giglio, and the Philadelphia media a field day. They will take whatever he says and they will twist it into however they think that it should be meant in their way. So if ESP... ESP, he's been a vocal person against Carson Wentz f- forever since almost since almost draft day. Yeah, and, he's talking
0: about them drafting a quarterback at number six. That's it, not happening.
1: Exactly. So so like ESP will take whatever Carson Wentz comes out and says, whether he says, I want to be here, I love this team, and he will pick out some weird any window and say he wants to leave this is why he wants to leave look at what he said here look at the way his voice, the inflection of his voice was when this statement was made like that's so what what why does cars why should carson Wentz or jail and hurt speak why should they come out at all right now there's honestly no reason for them to come out because they know exactly what's going to happen they're going to be ridiculed they're going to be judged they're going to be the face of philadelphia media for the next or the attention of philadelphia media for the next like two weeks after they speak because they're going to pick apart every minute of that press conference that letter every few le- words of that letter whatever it is that they chose to come out with they would pick it apart and they would use it to whatever story or whatever whatever direction that they're trying to push their thoughts on the team and their thoughts on that person. And it just makes zero sense to me for anybody to really speak out at this point until Nick Sirianni has been able to speak with everyone until they really, I think there's no reason that any of them speak out until after draft day when the rookie camp comes when they start reporting to the NovaCare complex that's when people should speak there's no reason for anyone to speak right now look at some of the other teams you haven't heard from any what Sam Darnold you haven't heard from anyone on the New York Jets about Robert Saleh really you haven't heard from anyone in, in on the on the LA Chargers so why why is our media the one pushing for these guys saying you need to speak out? Someone needs to speak out. Somebody's got to say something. It's because it's been so silent beyond the hiring of Nick Siriani and his press conference the other day that they need something to talk about. These guys are aching to have something to talk about. So they're just putting out these reports They're just hearing rumors They're hearing murmurs, mumblings. Um and they're putting out reports of this, reports of that, thoughts of this, thoughts of that. That's all. They just want another story. They just need a new story. They just want to write their next opinion article. So I commend Eagles players for not speaking out.
0: I 1,000% agree with you. Are there any other players on the roster that you think are affected by the, the coaching staff, by the hiring of Sirianni? Besides, like, look, I think, Miles. again, I mentioned it earlier, Miles Sanders is going to become a big part of the offense. They need to get a legit. They need to get another running back to to complement him. Um, do you think like maybe a Jalen Rager will be used differently? Um, Dallas Goddard um, going on the defensive side of the ball with Gannon, like Darius Slate, will he be used differently? Avante Maddox, um, Cravon LeBlanc, you know Kevon Wallace, the, the line. Like, are there any other players on the the roster who you think? Uh, could be impacted positively by by the hirings made so far.
1: I think there's a lot of positive Influence that's going to come out of Jonathan Gannon and that the DBs, I think A guy like Kevon Wallace will actually Get the development he needs He was so highly praised when we drafted him And we barely used him until The end of the season when we had to use him Because of the whole situation with Rodney McLeod Going down, so like I think a guy With Jalen Mills on the way out, a guy like Kevon Wallace will will definitely Benefit from this situation, I think a guy Like Avante Maddox will, will be Good for this, like he will see some Positive impact on this situation Situation. He'll get moved to where he needs to be or put in situations where he can succeed. Um even Darius Slay, I think, will will get some really good support from this because everyone else in the secondary should get better. Everyone else in the secondary should develop. They should be be playing the way they're most comfortable playing, which will mean, which will mean less strain on Darius Slay. And like you said, same, same thoughts on like the offensive side of the ball. I think Gregor will be used differently. Gregor was nowhere near used the way he should have been used. He wasn't stretching the field at all. He was seemed to be used more out of the slot and, and, and like, I think that it'll benefit the the offense big time to have a different look a different scheme to simplify things and hopefully to have two quarterbacks who want to work together and want to compete with each other to succeed and make each other the best quarterback that they can be whether they're the starter or whether they're the backup I think there's a lot of positives that will come from this and there's going to be positive impacts on a lot of players and and I think that obviously the front four will benefit massively from the fact that they might bring in some linebackers. They might put a bit more focus on the linebackers and some accountability on the linebackers and doing their job properly. So I think there's going to be a lot of change. There's going to be a lot more accountability in the locker room. And and I think I think that this is good to all around for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with you. I do have a question before we get to our Super Bowl prediction. Why does it seem that the front office is giving Sirianni kind of like letting him hire his own staff while they didn't let Doug. Now I, I get it. Doug wanted to promote press Taylor offensive coordinator. That would have been horrific. He wanted to bring Corey on back to possibly be the defensive coordinator. I don't know if that would have worked out so well either, but it feels like Sirianni getting more leeway with his staff more than Doug even got at the beginning. Cause you know, they hired Jim Schwartz before they hired Doug Peterson Um why? Why is it because they, they like maybe Doug just couldn't pick his own staff. If you think about it, Stoutland was from Chip's staff. Fip was from Chip's staff. Um, Deuce was from Andy's staff. Then Chip's staff. Like a lot of the, the coaching staff that Doug had was either hired before because like like Schwartz or was inherited from Chip.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing here was a plan. Come in with a plan, and we always heard about that. At the meetings with Jeffrey Lurie and Doug Peterson—that it just sounded like Doug Peterson thought the best way forward or the best path forward was to continue the way he wanted things to go, keep the staff the way it is. I'm going to move some people around. He didn't really have a plan, and it sounds like maybe Doug Peterson really—they liked the vision he had as a coach. But maybe they did. He didn't come with a plan when he got hired either. With What staff did he want? Who did he want on his staff, you know? And in this situation, it sounded like they were a lot more flexible in the idea that they knew they were clean in-house. They probably knew that they wanted Stoutland back. They said, we'd probably like if Deuce could be back, but if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit kind of thing. And so I think that this interview process, I feel like they said, what's your vision for the future? what do you see? What are you going to do with this staff? Who are you going to put here? Why do you want them here? And I feel like that's probably what they did with everyone they interviewed, because they didn't just want a vision of what Sirianni wanted with the team, they wanted a vision of what the team was going to look like, what the staff was going to look like, and what direction. They wanted a plan. And I think that Doug Peterson was old school and just wanted to try and keep things the way they were. And that's why I think there was more leeway in this coaching now and in the hiring of Doug Peterson a couple of years ago as well. But ultimately that ultimately for me, I I think it's the right decision. I think they had to be more flexible this time around and they had to let this happen.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And do you do you think that is it too early to tell, or is this staff an improvement over Doug's?
1: I think too early to tell because I got to see them get out with the rookies. I got to see when k- camps start to open up, when mm-hmm. those rookie camps, when the rookies report and stuff, and we start to hear things come out of camp. I think it's a better w- vision, but I think I think yet right now on paper, yes. Because he's willing to make the changes. He made the changes. He surrounded himself with a lot of guys who have a lot of experience in development and making the players around them better. And Doug just wanted to continue the way. Press Taylor was not the answer. Corey Mm Unglin was not the answer. There was a lot of guys who just weren't the answer and just had to go.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll definitely see. I think it is a wait and see right now. Just just because, again, like you mentioned, see what they look like in camps and when they actually get into game situations together. All right, Super Bowl 55, the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, and the uh, NFC champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the first time a team has played the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Of course, it's Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Who do you think is going to win? And, you know, this is the last football game of 2020 and 2021 up until uh, September, until we get the preseason in August. So what are your thoughts on the game and your prediction?
1: I think it's going to be a really good game. I think this is very two very different offenses, a Tom Brady and Bruce Aaron's offense is more methodical, a Patty Mahomes and Andy Reid offenses get the ball down the field and score as quickly as he possibly can. Um, take the big shots, take the risks. Brady's less about that. I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be another high-scoring game, kind of like a la 2017 Pat's Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um because the, the defenses are decent, but these guys are going to just throw and throw. And, you know, with Patty Mahomes, you know, against the Chiefs that you got to, you got to, you got to, if you're not scoring on every drive, I think the Bills learned that lesson the hard way. Or if you're not, if you're not scoring at least every second drive, you're never going to keep up with the pace at the toward pace that they can go at. I think the Chiefs are still going to win. I'm still Andy Reid all the way. I'm done with Tom Brady. I respect <laughs> everything that he did, but I, I do actually think. That 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 offense is more mel, more well rounded, and if you're going shot for shot, who's going to give you the score? I think it's going to be the Chiefs that get if they need that final score. They each get one minute to try and put together a drive to score. I think you can see that coming from the Chiefs and Patty Mahomes versus Tom Brady and Bruce Arians.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't know if it's going to be as a, a start like that November game when Tyreek Hill had 200 yards receiving in the first quarter. Um, I think Todd Bowles will definitely have a different game plan for for the for the offense. Levante, our Devin White is playing out of his mind right now for Tampa Bay at the linebacker position uh, out, of, out of LSU. He's really good. He's having a great postseason, but it's so hard to go against uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs, uh, the defending champs. And you know, this is might be like a passing of the torch type of game. Um, the the goat Tom Brady against a guy that has a chance to supplant him one day as the goat. Um, so it'll it'll be it'll be a great game I think. Um, I'm going with with the Chiefs going with Andy Reid. Um, and, and you know one thing I do want to commend the NFL given what 7,500 um, first responders or healthcare workers I should say that have been vaccinated giving them free tickets to the game. Uh, I think that's a great thing that the NFL is doing. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to have like twenty, two twenty three thousand 23,000 people. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they're, you know, doing that. You know, they, they, these, these people, these healthcare workers, frontline workers deserve to, to be commended, deserve to be recognized. So the NFL is is doing it, doing right by them. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the chiefs in the game and I hope they blow them out. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I would love to see a blowout only because I really don't like Tom Brady um as good as he is uh you know and and also i want to see if he loses does he shake patrick mahomes hand or is it just nick Foles that he cannot shake his hand (laughs) at all unless he beats him in a preseason game
1: oh yes yes love it (laughs) love
0: it all right so uh again thank you for listening to the kelly green hour connor and i will be back if there's some news uh eagles news come out player news um We'll be back. We're gonna, we got some draft specials ahead oh, that we are going to to talk about when we get closer to draft time. Um, yeah, again, you can follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour, follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10, and follow me on Twitter at LJ 54 For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. I'm not the one